Good morning. You may be seated. Okay. Going to continue our series, Tribe. It's a series we've been doing for the past few weeks now. We started, and the whole idea here is to recognize that, you know, as it says in Second Peter, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. To know what it is to belong to a tribe, to a people. Even yesterday we talked about the first tribe that we experience is that of our family. And now we have this tribe that we call a church, and it's a local church. We're not talking about the global church overall. We're talking about us as a community. And what does that look like to be a tribe? We, we talked first about how it's important to lift one another up, to be able to encourage each other in these things. And we've had a beautiful display of doing that together. We also talked about how the tribe continues to carry that story, carries that legacy, and how we are carrying the message, the gospel. We are to preach this gospel, this message. It is to continue through us. The story that has been handed to us is to be lived out through us and to be shared with those around us. And it's important that we recognize that. We talked about the need to trust and how in our brokenness, many times what we do is we hide. We don't want people to know how screwed up we really are. Let's face it. We, we put on a mask. We put on a front. And especially at churches. Oh my gosh. If they were to know that I had a drug problem. If they were to know that I watch pornography. If they were to know these things. What would they think of me? Not the church. No. I don't want them to know. And we talked about how your problems are really the answer that your struggles are the areas where we are meant to stand and help each other in those hurts that we have. And we need to be able to trust one another that we're not going to demean each other, we're not going to condemn each other, that we are actually here to help. And that's a great thing, again, about the Celebrate Recovery, that they're there for our hurts, our hang-ups, our habits. We all have them. They might vary and what they are, but they happen in so many areas. We are a broken people. We're just honest about it. I don't want to be phony. I don't want to pretend I don't struggle. I don't want you to have to pretend. I don't want to play church. I want to be the people of God that help and care for those who are around us. And then we talked about the need to carry one another last week about those friends of the paralytic who actually carried him to see Jesus and how where everyone else was looking forward at Jesus, no one was looking out and seeing that there was a person paralyzed who actually needed to get in. But these four friends didn't stop. They climbed the roof. They tore the roof apart and they lowered this man before Jesus. And Jesus commended them for their faith and he healed the paralytic. And we talked about how we are knit together in this faith and how we need to work together and carry one another. Today, I want to talk to you about how we continue that care for one another and how these men did it last week. We talked about it in a physical way, but there is other ways that we care for one another. And that's going to be talking about prayer. What does it mean to, to be a people who pray, a tribe that prays for one another? How does that help us and what does that look like? There is a thing in your brain called the anterior cingulate. 
And what neuroscientists are finding out is this anterior cingulate is really what they call your heart. See, if you have a heart transplant, you don't stop feeling. Your emotions don't stop. But actually, the, the seat of all these emotions is this place, the anterior cingulate. It's kind of above your ear and, and in there. If you were to put your finger there, then you're kind of pointing to your anterior cingulate. Okay? Well, this is the area that is connected to your love, connected to compassion. It's connected to empathy. The thing about the anterior cingulate is it's not always active. It's not always shooting off these neurons to different places. It's actually inactive many times and only becomes active at certain times. And what they've found is the anterior cingulate becomes active when you pray or when you meditate. Is that amazing or what? This portion of your brain that moves you to being empathetic, that moves you to to being compassionate and loving and showing love is a portion of your brain that actually is enhanced and active when you pray and when you meditate. It's not active all the time, but at these times. And so a person, when their interior cingulate is active, they experience greater connection to others, reduced anger, reduced fear, reduced stress, and reduced anxiety. You see, you can't be anxious and actively using this portion of your brain at the same time. They kind of mutually exclude each other. The medulla, the part of your brain that's in the back, I think I pronounced that wrong, that, yeah, A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. I'm not a neuroscience, okay, kind of guy. But that portion of your brain, the rear portion of your brain, is what promotes the fear, what promotes the stress. It's kind of what they call a primal portion of your brain. It's what you use when you're running from a, a wild animal. You, you don't stop and think. You don't ponder and say, oh, look at the flowers. No, you say, run. You just got to get out of here and it just kind of engages. Well, this anterior cingulate and that rear portion of your brain can't operate at the same time. And so when you are actively using this portion of your brain, you actually stop stressing, you stop fearing, you stop panicking because it is promoting a different health within you. Which makes me wonder about Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, when Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious. Pray. Because if you actually pray, you cannot be anxious. Which begs the question, why am I anxious when I'm praying? We'll get to that. It's amazing how the human mind works. It's amazing how there are things that we can actually do that can help us to learn more and to give of ourselves more to God, even in prayer. And once we start to recognize these things, what happens when you get stressed? Well, now I learn I can actually go to a place of prayer to deal with my stress instead of just going into fix-it mode. Anyone do that? Anyone go into fix-it mode? Here's a problem. Fix it! 
okay, I'll fix it. And it doesn't take away the stress. It just gives you a deadline usually. You know, it's like, oh, no, i got to fix it. Instead, moving to prayer. You know, when I train dogs, it's very similar. I know I always compare us to dogs. But when I'm training dogs, many times when a dog has an issue, it's nervous, has anxiety problems, or even aggression issues, if I can get the dog to do something else and to focus on something else, it eliminates that problem. If a dog's excessive barking, 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 but I can get the dog to go down and stay, it can't bark excessively and stay at the same time. It kind of does half of the bark. It's like, I want to bark. I got to stay. I'm going to, I got to stay still. And you can see the dog having this conflict in his mind. Bark, wait, I'm staying, you know. It can't just give into it. It can't just get carried away. So many times we get carried away with the stress, the fear, the worries. Because we just start using that rear portion of our brain and we stop praying. We stop connecting to God. And it's interesting because have you ever met people who just don't care about others? And you think, man, that person just doesn't care. The reason is they don't. They're not using their anterior cingulate. It's just like it's gone. They they stop caring. They, that portion of their brain isn't active. And it's like, man, it doesn't seem like they care about anybody. They're, they don't show compassion. Yeah, they're not. They're not using that portion of the brain. Here's some other news. Are, anyone here over 50? Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm in that category, right? Okay, I got bad news. <laughs> you say, I already know the news, Okay. This portion of your brain, the anterior cingulate, actually starts to decay with age. It does. Which, doesn't that make Don't you know some of those people? Right? The, that cogity old fella, get off the grass, kid, you know, he just kind of gets stuck in his way and he just doesn't have this compassion. You know people like that. It just seems like they don't care. It's because their interior cingulate's dying. It's like, dude, you're, you're going brain dead. You don't even know it. And they stop losing the compassion. Okay, but I got good news, just so you don't panic. Exercising this portion of your brain, you can actually stop the deterioration. If you take time and pray, you actually, by using this, the neuroscientists have found that you can actually stop the decay of this portion of your brain. And so you can stay engaged and you can actually beat that battle and not have to be that grumpy old person who doesn't care. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 47, Jesus says, You have heard it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says that you might be the children of your Father in heaven. You see, it takes more than stopping hating. I'm just not going to hate you anymore because I still hate you. I'm just not going to think about you anymore, but I'm still thinking about you. And every time I think about you, I still get angry. But if I take that time when I'm hurt and I'm angry and instead I am going to pray for you, I am actually stopping the momentum of that anger and that hatred because you know what that does to your body. 
you know how that gives you ulcers and how that starts to age you. And so when that anger comes, instead pray for that person. Here's the problem. A lot of times we want to hold on to that. And we don't realize what's happening is we're actually allowing this portion of our brain to decay And empathy starts to decrease, not just for the person you're angry at, but towards everybody. And that's why it becomes kind of a a momentous thing where you start becoming angry. This one person hurt me. And now you're mad at everybody. Why? Because it's like a cancer. It just starts to filter through all these areas of your thinking. But you can actually stop it and reverse it By doing what Jesus said. You've heard it said, you know, hate your enemies. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Prayer actually changes you before it even moves to them. And so it's important that we recognize this. When when you pray for these people, it will actually open up the ability for you to think differently. Now, Now you can actually have empathy and understand maybe why they did the things that they did. Where if you're just angry and you're just working in a primal state, you'll just think and I'll just get mad and you'll just spiral down. But if you take time and pray, maybe it'll enlighten you to have understanding that you don't have. It engages you to be able to have more focus and more empathy for others, especially those who are troubling you. They've also found out that brief prayer, simple prayer like, uh, you know, bless this food, O Lord, or now I lay me down to sleep, has no effect at all. So it's not the little... Just, hey, simple, oh, yeah, God, I thank you for this day and for life and for everything. Amen. You see, that didn't engage you because what has to happen is the interior singular works when you begin a dynamic conversation as if it was a person. You have an ongoing, lengthy thought process towards this. That's when it's engaged. In short, brief moments... Don't engage this. And and, and so short little times just before dinner doesn't engage this. But what they did found is that it appears that whenever their individual is dealing with things on a regular or religious basis, when prayer is incorporated into longer forms of meditation or practice in the context of even weekly religious activities, you know where I'm going here, okay, the whole tribe thing, Many health benefits have been found, including greater length of life. Coming to church and having focus and prayer can actually lengthen your life. You're welcome. <laughs> just, just doing what I can to help you live longer, people. That's what we're doing here. You see, the getting together, the having the time where we interact, where we engage and we have this thought process, it actually benefits us in so many ways. When we don't pray, we allow those other voices to to pull us into the direction of worry and stress. We, We allow our brain to chase these other forms of thought. 
But when we allow prayer to be the central part of our life, it changes how we see things and it changes how we respond to things. And so as a tribe, when we start to pray for one another, you are not only benefiting the person who you are praying for, you are becoming the kind of person that they actually need. You're becoming a person who is more empathetic, who is more concerned, who is more caring. Because you are taking the time and engaging God on their behalf and it's affecting you as well as them. Now, here's something that happens many times with me and maybe you can identify with it. Uh, Circumstance happens. Catastrophe. And you go into panic mode. Okay, I, I've got to deal with this. Okay, we've got to, you know, go to the hospital. We have to go to the police station. We have to deal with this circumstances. And, and it's something that seems traumatic that starts to happen to you. And you say, okay, well, let's pray. And as you're praying, you're not really praying, you're thinking. Anyone else have that? Like, I'm praying and I'm thinking, God... Help this person whose name will remain nameless as, as I, Lord, pray that you would help them to get out of jail and deal with this thing. And in your mind, you're thinking, that idiot, why did he do that? What was wrong with him? Why? And you're not really engaged in prayer. You're engaging your panic mode and you're trying to figure things out. You're saying words, but not really it's coming out. When I first became a follower of Christ, sorry, mom, I'm going to tell on you here. Um, When I first became a follower of Christ, my mom and I both became believers relatively the same time she did a little bit before me. And we used to get in arguments. No, no secret there. Everyone does. And I was a teenager. So, you know, I was always right. She just didn't realize it yet. And she was a parent, a single mom, raising a teenage kid who thought he knew it all. And we get together and she would say, "Okay, well, we need to pray. I say, "Okay." Yeah, that's right. We need to pray. And we'd sit there together and then she, she, she's probably going to deny this, but I remember it vividly. We would sit there together and she would say, Lord, show Sam how insensitive he is being right now. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm not done. She, she's changed and thankfully so have I. But that's not the kind of prayer that changes us. A prayer that is focused on the issue and the problem is not a prayer that engages us the way we need to be engaged. It actually has to be prayer that is focused other than ourselves. And so we need to recognize this, that if we don't pray, we allow other voices to shape us. And when we pray still focused on the problems, we're not actually changing or actually even engaging God. We're more having a dialogue with ourselves. Part of being a tribe is praying together. It strengthens us and it strengthens our own souls. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to mess with your interior cingulates. Are you guys okay with that? (laughs) You guys, not really. (laughs) 
Don't worry, there will be no surgery involved. But I want to talk about different types of prayer and how it is effective in helping us not to go into that spiral of just worrying about the thing you're praying about and not really praying about it. And and one of the forms is that of meditation. Now, what's the first thought that comes into your mind when you hear the word meditation? Yoga? Yoda? Like Star Wars, Yoda? Wow, okay. Muslims? Um... It's funny, when we say, I said something this morning about meditation, and I forget, I think it was Rick said something about Krishna. Yeah, he said something like Krishna. For years, Christians have been afraid of the word meditation. We're going to look at a number of scriptures that are in the Bible that talks about meditation. It is nothing new. But when Buddhism started to become very popular, A lot of theologians started actually using synonyms for meditation because they didn't want to be new agey. And so now the whole idea of meditation has become other than Christian. But the scriptures talk about meditation, and so we shouldn't be afraid of it. It's actually an important part of prayer as we start to understand what it is, because this is what allows us to not stay focused on the problem, but actually be able to have focus that is other than the problem. And so I want to look at a number of those scriptures. Again, it's important that we can't be afraid. You know, I don't know if it was Yoda or yoga that I heard. You know, when you think of meditation, people think of yoga you'd be surprised of how many Christians are afraid of yoga. Oh, no. We're going to have strong cores, you know. I mean, what's what's going to happen to us, you know. It's going to happen. It's like, oh, no, that's going to take your mind somewhere. You're not out of control with who you are or what you think. I'm doing yoga. Oh, no, what's happening to me? I'm being transcendentaled away. You know, no, you are still who you are and what you focus on is still under your control. And when the scriptures talk about meditation, it's something that we need to recognize. There are over 30 verses that deal with meditation in the scripture. And we're going to just look at a few of them. One is Psalm 119, verse 15. It says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. The word meditate means meditate. It means I focus on, I think about, I am consumed with that thought. I give my whole attention, all my energy to this. That's what it means. In Psalm 1 verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Again, it's talking about having folks. It's talking about taking control of your thoughts. And here the psalmist is talking about taking those controls and allowing them to be fixated on the things that God has instead of just the problems. Genesis 24 Verse 63, we see this of Isaac, that he went out to the field one evening to meditate. What happened to that one? Did I miss Genesis? Anyway, yeah, there's one in there that's not in there. It's Genesis 24, 63. Isaac went out to the field to meditate. Why do you have to go out in the field? 
Why couldn't he stay in this tent? You can pray wherever you are. I can just pray wherever I am. Sometimes to meditate, you actually have to remove some of the distractions. He went out to the field to meditate. 1 Timothy 4.15 Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Again, meditate. Give your whole attention, all your energies to these things. You don't realize it, but you already meditate. You probably meditate all the time, especially if you get an email that's troublesome. You meditate on that problem, whatever it is. If you have a financial crisis, you probably meditate on the lack of money all the time. In other words, we meditate, but we meditate on the wrong things many times. I know some of you moms meditate on your children day and night, and it's called worry. And you think about them all the time. See, you're already meditating. But now what we're being called to do is to take that worry and move it to a place that is fixed on God. And so we stop seeing the problem and we start seeing the majestic, mighty hand of God instead. And what we find is pretty soon that worry changes to the empathy, changes to compassion, changes to a different kind of concern than worry. And this is so important. For us as parents, I can't tell you the value this has when you stop the meditation on the wrong things and you turn it to God and start meditating on the right things. Another form of prayer is constant or or communal prayer, a prayer that is always taking place with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That word that's used there for continually, it's actually a medical term. It's like a whooping cough or a hiccup. It's something that just constantly happens. You ever have that kind of tickle in your throat and you'll just be talking and you're like, and it drives everyone crazy? You're just It's that kind of prayer. It's always there. It's constantly going. It's something that takes place all the time. And here's how to be healthy. Have a a continual hiccup towards God in prayer. There's a passage in Nehemiah chapter 2. If you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 2, where we see a part of that. Gosh, these scriptures are all out of whack. Anyway, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. I don't know where that is. Oh, well. Nehemiah chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, In the month of Nisan... In the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Very receptive king. I was very much afraid because he's the king. And if you've ever seen 300, you know why. Artaxerxes is a crazy guy. That was a joke. Anyway... But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, 
what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. I love that. I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, I don't think Nehemiah was sitting there with the wine and the king says, well, what do you want? He goes, well, Lord, what should I ask for at this point? He didn't stop and pray out loud. It was an immediate prayer. It was something that was in his heart. There's this communion taking place with him and God, and it was something that sparked. When something happens, our hiccup, our reaction is to go to God immediately. Oh, Lord. I'm going to you with this. God, give me wisdom. Someone asks me something. Hey, I'm dealing with this. I pray, oh, Lord, that's pretty heavy. How should I respond to that? And so there is this immediate act of prayer that takes place, this immediately going into this area of prayer. And so this continual form of prayer that takes place. And it's supposed to be a part of our life. It is supposed to be something that constantly goes on. You might drive by an accident and you say, oh, Lord, help those people who are in that car. You get a phone call and you immediately go to prayer. The phone rings at three in the morning. I immediately start praying before, oh, Lord, what is this? It's just automatic. It's something that is there. And so this is something that we have to develop so it becomes a habit. The more we do this, the more it will become habitual for us. Next is being thankful. Anyone here grow up with Santa, believing in Santa? Did anyone ever write letters to Santa? Did any of you ever write a thank you letter to Santa? Think about it. The guy every year bought you gifts and you never once wrote a letter saying thank you. Being thankful is something that really is not natural to us. We, we, we tend to expect and the gratitude is slow and, and coming, but being grateful actually changes our disposition as well. In Colossians 4.2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. <laughs> Stop that. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We are supposed to be thankful all the time, even as we said before, pray without ceasing and also giving thanks to the Lord. And so these are areas of pray that prayer that we can engage in. We can be focused and meditative. We can be in a continual state of awareness of prayer. We can be grateful and thankful in prayer. I think it's funny, whenever we do have our times of prayer and prayer meetings, sometimes we'll say, okay, we're going to have a time just to be thankful. Just tell the Lord what we're thankful for. And inevitably, someone who's there will start praying and asking for something. And it's not like it's wrong, but I just think it's interesting. You know, we're just wanting to take time to say thank you to God. And it's like, Lord, we're thankful. Can you do this? And there's nothing wrong with asking. We're told to ask. But how hard is it for us to be grateful? How hard is it for us to stop and think of 10 things that we can be grateful for right now? And I think it's important that we take time and we show that all these things, what they do is they change who we are as people. Makes us grateful people. Makes us empathetic, compassionate people. Makes us people who are engaged with the needs and concerns of others. Makes us a tribe that is knit together even when we can't always be together 
we can always be in prayer together. And it does something in us, and of course, God works in and through us. And so, I want to take some time and, and go through some times of prayer together with you. I, I don't want this to just be a time where I tell you about prayer. I actually want to set some time aside where we can pray together. And I want you to know that tomorrow we're going to be doing this for an hour, and I invite you to be a part of that. I hope you will, because it's good for the people we're praying for and good for us. So I want to take you to a time of just a meditative prayer. And so let me, hey, Val, can you turn off the lights? Just turn the off button. I, it's still going to be daylight in here. But anyway, see, if we have our own building, we can make it real dark. That's scary. But anyway, I want you to close your eyes right now. I just want you to relax. I want you to sit up. I want you to just put your palms on your hands. And even if you would, put your palms up. It actually affects how we think when we put our palms up. And it's impossible to, to not think about anything. But what we can do is change what we think about. And so... All the the external noises and voices and distractions. You're thinking, oh, I feel silly doing this. I want you to brush those things off just like you would brush leaves off of the front porch. I just want you to clear those things and I want you to think about this in your mind and then I'm going to have you repeat it. I want you to think, there is always hope. Repeat that out loud. Say, there is always hope. I want you to say that again. There is always hope. Let that be your focus right now. The next 30 seconds, speak it to yourself. Speak it slowly out loud. There is always hope. There is always hope. Whatever other things are trying to invade your mind, Let this be the answer. There is always hope. Whatever stresses, distractions, let this resonate. There is always hope. I want you to think about this. I want you to think, God is love. And say that out loud with me. God is love. And again, let this be your focus and repeat it again with me. God is love. It's hard to still our thoughts. And so let's focus them. I want you to say this again to yourself. The truth that God is love. Whatever else would want to invade your mind right now, answer it. The focus thought It is so difficult for us to be still. We feel so awkward to have a group of people and for there to be silence makes us feel uncomfortable. And we've lost the ability to meditate on the things that can actually benefit us. And what I want you to do throughout this week, take just 90 seconds 
or when tragedy or something strikes that would command your focus on worry, I want you to pause and I want you to focus on there is always hope and that God is love. And keep those things in your heart and in your mind. And for 30 seconds every day throughout this week, I want you to meditate on those things and think on those things. Now, you were given a piece of paper when you came in and a pen. We got a deal on the pens. I want you to take that piece of paper and I want you to write on it a request, a prayer, something that you have a need for. It can be physical. You don't sign it. I want you to be able to be honest. (laughs) Just put on that. And if you need a piece of paper, raise your hand because we've got some more out there and they'll bring it to you. And Jason, can I have you come up wherever you are, Jason? And I just want you to write on that piece of paper. Now, if you're like, I don't like this kind of stuff, this kind of stuff feels weird, just write something general, you know, peace on earth, whatever you want to write, something that's there. But I want everyone to just take a moment and write that on that piece of paper and hold on to it. We're going to use it again a little bit more later. Does anyone else need a piece of paper? Everyone got that? So... I want to take some time now and and ask just for those of you who are dealing with physical ailments, would you stand up so that we can just pray for you? Any kind of physical ailment. Again, this is where we as a tribe are going to be praying. And I'm not going to be the one praying. I want those people who are around you to also stand up to put their hands on you, and I want them to pray out loud. Go ahead and take about 30 seconds and just pray out loud for the people who are standing up. Put your hand on them and just slowly pray out loud. I don't want no whispered prayer. I want you actually talking, even though there's more than one. I want to hear you praying. I want you to be engaged and take this time and pray right now. Okay, conclude that and you can have a seat. And now I want those of you who are struggling with work, maybe it's no work, maybe it's a job you don't like, maybe it's financial problems with the job you have or the business you have, would you stand up? And we're going to do the same thing. Those around them, would you put hands on them and just pray? Again, we're going to take 30 seconds and pray for these people who are standing up. Okay, conclude those prayers, and again, you may be seated. And I want, again, now those who are having relational problems, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's a brother, sister, maybe it's a coworker, someone in your family, that there's problems and difficulties in relationships, would you stand up? Again, being honest is the first step to being genuine. Now, would you pray for those who are standing up? Put your hands on them. Let's take 30 seconds. Pray out loud. Include that, and then again, you can be seated. And if you're married, would you stand up? Anyone who is married. I'm not going to even ask if there's anything we know. What we need as a community are strong marriages. 
what we need as people of strong examples of what marriage looks like. And it is one of the most difficult areas, but it is one of the most important areas. And so if you're around anyone who's standing up and you're not standing up, stand up and pray for these people and these marriages. Go ahead and conclude those prayers and you can come back to your seats. When we ask for prayer, we are being vulnerable. And when we ask for specifics in prayer, then we are being open, we're being honest. If we are going to be a healthy tribe, we have to be people who can communicate and care in this way with one another. We have to be able to be willing to take time not only to pray, but to ask for prayer for the needs that we have. We have to be people who are knit together in this area. It's vital to us. It's something that's not only good for us in our physical beings. Of course, it's an important part of our spiritual walk as well. And so I want to encourage all of us this week to take this time Take 90 seconds and just meditate on a scripture, on an attribute of God. And every other thought that wants to come, oh, don't forget to get the whatever's on the stove. Just sweep it off and say, no, for 90 seconds, there is nothing else I need to think about than this. And focus on God. Focus on his goodness. Focus on the scriptures and let those meditations be what you focus on and hold you. And then also take 90 seconds and be grateful. For 90 seconds, tell God thank you. Find things to be thankful for. Start to discover what you are grateful for. Start to remember the things that God has been faithful to you in. Let's not let those things be like Santa Claus. We just get, we get, and we forget, and we never say thank you to God. Let's be people who appreciate who he is and all that he's doing. Let's this be a posture for us throughout this week and see how God shows up. Now, that piece of paper that you wrote on, I want you to take it and I want you to crumble it up kind of like a snowball. And I want everyone to stand up. Now, what you're going to do is on the count of three, you're going to throw this piece of paper, not to God (laughs) and not at me. (laughs) You're going to throw this piece of paper up in the air. Find some trajectory. If you like someone who the way they pray, you can aim for them if you want. But the whole idea is you're going to take your prayer. You're going to throw it up. When they come down, you could try and catch them if you want, or you can pick someone else's prayer up. And this whole week, you're going to take that piece of paper. You can put it on the mirror of your bathroom, put it on the dashboard of your car, take a little picture of it so that you can have it on your phone as the backdrop. And you are going to pray for this every day, throughout the day, as often as you want to and can for whatever this need is. You guys, there are people whose lives are on, hanging on by a thread. There are people who are struggling to get through each day. 
And it might be there on that piece of paper. And what they are doing, they're saying, tribe, I need you today. I need you in this. This is our opportunity to step into this dynamic of a relationship. And so I want you to participate in this and recognize that God is wanting to use you and is wanting to change you through this avenue of prayer. So on the count of three, ready? One, two, don't throw them at me. (laughs) See some of you winding up, okay? One, two. You can be creative how you throw it up. All right, one, two, three. All right. There's a couple pieces here. Everyone get a piece of paper. If you do not have a piece of paper, then you need to find someone's request and take that as yours this week. You can open them up. You can look at them or you can save them. And as we are standing, may the Lord engage you with His presence as you enter into His presence in prayer. May you find strength and health as you open your heart to God. May you realize that you are the lifeline to the people in your community and that they are dear to you and you are dear to them and that we need one another. And may we continually lift each other up in prayer throughout this week's and be the disciples of Jesus. God bless you guys. Jason's going to close in the last song.